This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Having a very cozy show here on Kelly and Ramia. We like our Thursdays. We also like our Tuesdays. My two favorite shows of the week, huh, Kels? Oh, I don't know. I barely pay attention to those. Hey, you know what's interesting? Okay. Kim Hovey, when she was speaking about <laughs> that wonderful coat and how warm, right? It's just yes. so nice. Uh, so many things there. But I got thinking how that is our theme today because you've been you know, crying so much about the cold, about being tired. And when you're tired, you're even colder. I mean, right? I guess so. Or the cold makes you tired. I don't know the other way around. Well, and I, I totally agree with Kim. And again, when I was up in Nunavut, I found the cold there much more tolerable than God. my whiny London, Ontario plus two cold. It's so <laughs> ironic because you're you're getting down to like minus 30, minus 40 plus wind chill. And here, nothing close to that. No way. And very seldom. But when it is, it's damp and cold. Yep. Gross. Folks, it's time for the weekly roundtable. Let's get to it. So we do this on... Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually it oval. Just you, say yeah, it. The blind guy feels it now goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, so yeah, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. We do this always on Thursdays, and it's an open conversation on a variety of subjects picked by the host, I. And I appreciate having Rumya here. And today, Beth Deer joins us. Hey, Beth, how's things out in Edmonton? We've been talking about snow hello, out hello. in the Yukon, the but there's none there, here? right? The cold here is so much better than the cold where you guys are. After my three days there, I was like back to my Edmonton cold. I'm happy with it. I'm very content with my cold here in Edmonton. Um, which is interesting since you're from the UK, right? So you must have hated it back home, but you would have been probably used to it. Only known that cold until you went there. Yeah, exactly. And the cold there sucks. You can't get away from it. <laughs> it's damp also, and it just yeah. goes right into mm-hmm. your bones oh um so beth here's here's the deal here before we get to some of the subjects um chickens we were talking chickens earlier with mark and Ramya brought up the fact that i and i think i was he got me all today. defensive and without even doing anything she got it in her head as, as we were speaking about, about chicken chickens story. she thought I was going to bring up and invalidate the, the Scarborough chicken affair he did, at though. her house when she was a child. Only once you brought it up and only because you picked on me. Did There's I? the defensiveness. Hold yeah, on you're the one did I, I didn't bring up. up. I didn't bring it up. I, I was being a good, a we good gotta, co-host. Do we have a... Play that back. Um, yeah. I, uh, Can we... That's Beth has a chicken. Slap on the wrist and you need to stop bickering like siblings is what you both Bing. need. Wow. There you go. See, we're on, yeah, supposed small. to be on each other's side when we okay. do this, by the way. We're supposed to remember what, what, what Fern said. Yeah. Um, Beth, uh, did you want to say something about Mark's segment there and uh, chickens? Was it Not chickens? the chickens. Not the chickens. The horse. Oh, oh. no. The, oh. So my mom does cargo claims, and she's worked for the same company for years. And they, the horse was on a plane that was chartered from the company my mum works for. And my mum worked on the claim for the horse. Wow. So pretty oh, wow. crazy. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing about yeah. this horse for a while now. Wow. Oh, man. 
Okay, because well, that's what we were trying up. to determine if there was two stories, one Billy brought and then the yeah. one Mark brought, because Billy's was not a happy ending at all. No, not a happy ending at all. No. I think they are the same story. I, I think actually, so too. My mom, while you guys were talking, I was like, is this the same story? And she was like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so sad. Well, uh, so yeah, sad. very sad. Um, ladies, I want to talk about a network of agencies led by the Center of Addic for Addiction and Mental Health are launching a three-digit suicide prevention helpline across Canada. People having suicidal thoughts or other mental health distress can now call or text 988 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and get help. Vancouver resident Al Raimendo wishes there had been a simple three-digit helpline when they were struggling a couple of years ago, did a Google search, and then felt overwhelmed by all the responses. It was easier to do nothing than it was to reach out to someone, and I ended up experiencing a full mental health crisis, feeling really suicidal. Raimendo contributed to the development of the helpline as a person with lived experience. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press. Uh, years ago, I volunteered at a crisis line when I was in college. And um, yeah, it, it was some of the things you felt were how it was limited and resources were not there. We were all volunteers, which was great. Uh, we took training, but the phone lines themselves, was it deemed as important? Well. If we were on a call, someone else couldn't get in. And that is many moons ago. Um, and we were to have a limit of how long we, were, we should talk to someone unless, of course, they were in serious crisis. Um, Beth, when you hear about something like this, a national line, thumbs up or kind of any concerns that, you, that come to mind for you? I think it's such, obviously, a difficult and hard topic. I mean, I do think that it's fantastic that there are resources out there, but those resources are only any good if the people needing them, uh, you know, are able to find themselves in a position where they can actually utilize them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. so nice that obviously there are these places where people can reach out to and get help if they need it. But if they aren't in a place mentally where they're willing to kind of share what's going on with them, it's kind of like no good, in my opinion. See, I've had that issue with telehelp, right? If you call for health issues or whatever, the questions that you get first, and I think, okay, yeah, you got to know what's going on with me, but some of the questions almost seem like we're gathering statistics to make sure the line is, yeah. is worth having, and yet you're sitting there in strife, like, guys, 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 well, yeah, yes, yes, no, no, yeah, yeah, and then getting to your problem. I worry about this, Ramya, with this kind of thing, but on the same token, do I worry that do you have enough people there to help maybe a student calling in or a senior mm -hmm. that's feeling really down? Plus the resources to say, you are in Prince Edward Island, here's some resources there. How at the fingertips are some of those? And I know, you know, I'm not trying to say they don't have or do have, I don't know. But these are the things that come to mind to me as we're in the beginning and the infancy of it. Well, we often have conversations around um, where's that middle person, where's that mediator, that counselor, that psychologist, that whoever, social worker who's dealing with the mental health side of any crisis, right? Like police are and law enforcement are the first to be called in so many situations, whether um, somebody has succeeded in committing, committing suicide or uh, you're walking into a suicide attempt scenario. And I think that this loops into that 
very well. Like it fits mm. into us dealing with so many levels of challenges around mental health. And what's incredible is that it's national. It shouldn't be any other way. 988 should be the number that you think of, the only um, place to go to. It should be ingrained in our systems, whether it, you know, anecdotally or when we're having personal issues, whatever it is, you should be able to think of 988 and not, not consider, um, you know, all the steps, as this person said in the clip, right? It was easier to do nothing than to find the resources that they needed. And you don't have the energy, you don't have the mental capability sometimes when you're so yeah. deeply dissatisfied or uh, suicidal is, you know, just one aspect of it, but any kind of mental health challenge. And mm -hmm. you should be able to go somewhere. Just like in the case of an emergency, you know, without second guess, you know you're calling 911. That's the way that this should be promoted, talked about, um, you know, emphasized. Like, you think that should just be, like, only one kind of like mental health place where everyone well, knows there should like, be something where you go. Yeah. So then there isn't like the confusion and yeah. the overwhelmingness of like, yeah. right. oh well, like I could go and talk to this charity. I could go yeah. talk to that charity. Like actually it's just easier for me to not do anything. Oftentimes oftentimes we are hesitant and you know it doesn't have to be us personally okay but societally we mm -hmm. we yeah. hesitate to even call the police people in all kinds of circumstances you know i'm thinking of harassment or mm -hmm. domestic abuse we often hesitate to call 911 because again law enforcement you know somebody's putting their foot down about something someone's about to get arrested there's so many fear factors that lead to people uh, um, thinking against their better judgment, not calling 911. Well, now you can call 988, right? Like, there, there's a lot of bridging mm -hmm. the gap opportunity here. Yeah. Well, and, and the window that people choose when they are in crisis, we have that window yeah. where we're, I'm going to call, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not. Yeah. It's such a small window, yeah. and you want people to see 988 like 911. Ladies, another kind of, this is in the United States, but I think it has some merit to think about here, merit to think about. Millennials and Gen Z H range are experiencing a backsliding in health. Take a listen. The research, backed by the Population Findings Bureau, shows that teen suicide is more common for Generation Z than the past three generations. This, even as younger women are typically better educated and better paid than their mothers or grandmothers. Factors like increased political divisions and lingering impacts of the pandemic hurt millennials and Gen Z. Liz Landers, ABC News, Washington. Life experience tells me, ladies, that I think you may, you may or may not, but we, we can kind of, whether this is the United States or not, Ramya, um, any relatability here? I mean, uh, uh, we've had so many conversations I can point out to a lot with Grant on the headline segments where this kind of thing is um, very apt, right? Like, first of all, Gen Z, the communication um, that a lot of Gen Zers have, you can just see it all over social media. There are many memes and many, you know, convos about the convos. Um, it, and mental health is just a huge conversation. It's out there. It's in the ether. And I think that a lot of people might be more open to talking about mental health challenges and, and uh, suicidal mindsets. But also, um, maybe like the, the black and white of it is still somewhere in there. Right, where people are more willing to take their life away than to yeah. to have a conversation about it and to come down off the ledge, and it, it's such a 
a hard thing to come to grasp with, especially in the understanding of how do we problem solve? How do we make this better? I wonder how lonely we feel, Beth, as a society of people in this position. I, and I mean mental health, but also any health yeah. kind of thing and taking care of oneself, how responsible and a lot of women, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I have my career to put together. Do you take care of yourself? I'm really down. Who do I talk to? I feel alone. It yeah, it's so crazy to me. And I just like when we talk about this, I think about uh, when I was in high school and in the UK, you finish what we consider high school or secondary school when you're 16 and then you go on to kind of um, like extra education before university. In my last year of high school, I would have been 15, 16 and out of a year, like my peers there was like 250 of us in my school that were in my year and we had five kids wow two were friends of mine who commit suicide and even since then we have had three additional people commit suicide since we have left high school and i just wow. think that's so that's eight people out of 250 that you know like made that decision and felt so alone that they turned to that instead of you know their families or friends and like that to me is just so mind-blowing and what's scary is that's the number now what will right. it be in 10 yeah. years 15 20 and teenagers yeah. like we're talking people who live with families on average you're not yeah. you're not living alone you're not actually physically on your own but people feel so mentally there mm -hmm. well yeah honestly all of the kids in my year that you know were victims of suicide i don't know if that's the right way to phrase mm -hmm. it but that's I see it at least. Um, all of them but one had si multiple siblings and, you know, you'd look at their families and, like, their life from, like, an outside perspective and, you know, it looked like they had it all going on. Of like, course. Like, they had, they yeah. had themselves together. They all seemed happy until, you know, we obviously found out that they weren't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it always seems to be percentages when you look at a family of, say, mm -hmm. four or, or six people, including mom and dad, and the different things that befall, success, yeah. failure, health issues, um, you know, and mental health conditions or whatever it might be, and you Pressures. look and see that number. Uh, ladies, I want to switch to a little bit of food discussion. Red Lobster's promo new promotional um, deal uh, have has maybe put, and this is in Canadian and American restaurants, may have put the chain in jeopardy. Red Lobster lost more than $11 million in the third quarter. That's right after the restaurant chain put Ultimate Endless Shrimp on its everyday menu. Those two facts are connected, according to Red Lobster's owner, Thai Union Group. Its plan succeeded, getting more customers in. Traffic was up by about 4%, but this also forced Red Lobster to raise the price of Ultimate Endless Shrimp to $25. Company leaders say that's something they must watch closely so they don't turn off their customers. Brian Clark, ABC News. Now, not something I would have expected, but I've certainly taken advantage of this deal, and um, <laughs> I absolutely find it amazing. Uh, Beth, what is the all-you-can-eat thing if you had your say at a restaurant that you would want? If it had to be one item like this, is this is there something out there you would patronize a restaurant for since we're so used to the buffets returning or wanting oh, them to return? That's like, that's so hard. That's, like, such a hard question. Um 
it's always been a dream of mine to go to Red Lobster. I have never eaten at a Red Lobster, but I have always mm. wanted to. I don't even think we have one in Edmonton anymore. Um, but I mean, like they're drawing people in. Like as far as I'm aware, like Red Lobster is like one of those restaurants that like it feels like everyone loves it there. Like there's something for yes. everyone. Of course, it is like mainly seafood, but. Oh my goodness. If I could pick any, um, you know, bottomless or like endless thing to eat or drink, it would be curry. It would have to curry. be curry. Curry. Rami, You're going to oh, regret wow. that. Wow. <laughs> oh my day. gosh. Yeah. That's long with your chili at the foot watching football. Uh, what would yours be, Rum? Um, I was thinking uh, about, no, I was thinking about like Mexican food. I don't know, tacos oh, or, yeah. you know, the little rolled up taquitos. Is that what it is? Anyways, mm-hmm. something where it's just like, but but I also like barbecue, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. Wow. Of course, I like meat, so the barbecue goes kind of my Hell way. Yeah. But I find I can't tolerate as much. This, for me, and I'm not a big shrimp person, but I have enjoyed it. it and I shrimp, find yeah. it's light enough for me if I pick the right stuff that I can eat a fair bit. Is it get breaded? a decent feed on. It's there's five different kinds. You can even get the one I think with the Ooh. pasta. You can get the waltz, which is a bit bread. No wonder get the they coconut went. shrimp and the garlic. You know that's just old. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. We know they really did. I know. I think they did too. Well, it's when they went to every day when they had it one day a week. Oh boy, I was because we know how expensive shrimp is. Might as well go to Red Lobster than purchase your own shrimp and cook it, right? Like that's what. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And the way it comes out and everything like that. And you're well. Before I leave the table, do you want any more? All right, Beth. Thanks a lot for being with us on the round table. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Later. Round tables in jeopardy due to the fact of all you can eat shrimp. Oh, no, now I'm thinking of that. Uh, we do this once a week on the program. We call it the round table on Thursday. And when we come back after the break, we're going to tell you what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown tomorrow morning. That's Friday. And then tell you what's coming up Friday for us as well. Plus, I got another strange unofficial holiday to tell you about. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.